The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. You are listening to Very Loose Women. I'm Leonor, and in the studio with me is regular co-host Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi there. And special guest, South London artist Rachel House. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Nice to be here. Just before we get into the show, here's a little song by Kleenex, Heidi's Head. That was Heidi's Head by Kleenex. Was there any particular reason why you wanted us to play that song today? Oh, because they're one of my favourite bands. I completely love them. And there was some very sad news today. Their bass player died. I don't know very many details, but I, I know she was far too young. And they're an amazing band. Do you know anything else about the band? Because that's the first time I've heard of Kleenex. Oh. Oh, um, well, they had to change their name from Kleenex to Lilliput because Kleenex, um, the brand. Brand name, (laughs) of course. Um, They are, I think they're Swiss. I'm not absolutely certain. They're around, they're kind of post-punk, so early 80s. So when I met Rachel at the House of Illustration, just after a Very Loose Women recording, in fact, she gave me a business card with the word patriarchy about to be smashed on the back so Mm. we'll get more into that later on in the show so i thought as our kind of opening segment we'd maybe mention how we've tried to whittle away at the patriarchy this week emma have you got any ideas um i don't think i've been doing any like incredibly successful whittling but i've got a couple of little mini things that i've done this week so first of all i'm experiencing some mittelschmerz and I've been telling everyone about that. And for our engineer, Lee, who maybe doesn't know what Metal Schmerz is. I don't, I d- know. I don't know what a Metal Schmerz no, is either. either. Oh, wow. Okay, so basically <laughs> it is, um, it's, it's German from middle pain. And it's something that you get um, in the middle of your cycle. So oh. it's like when you're ovulating, you sometimes get a pain in your ovary. And you can sometimes um, tell which, so which one you're ovulating from. I always know oh. that. I always know how many ovaries I'm ovulating from each month. They just send very clear signs to me. Oh, really? Yeah, and like Is for years... Is it ever more than two? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I'm kidding. No, I only have two ovaries, listeners. Yep. Well, so at the moment it's Lefty. Lefty's having a go. But I just thought, I, would, you know, I, I try and make it my mission to tell as many people as possible about my metal schmerz. It's a great word. I think word. that's a little whittling. Yeah. A little tiny bit of whittling. Also, yesterday I went to buy a football. This is not much of a whittling, but it was something that surprised me. I was in the shop in, um, in Camberwell, which seemed like it might sell everything in the world. It was like DIY, food, wine, everything, like an everything shop. And I went in and I said, do you have any footballs? And the guy just looked at me like, why do you want a football? He literally said the words, why do you want a football? And so I was like, mm-hmm. obviously to play it and I kind of thought I'm whittling you right yeah. now because I you seem surprised as a small lady I want to play with an inflatable football yeah I, I know I've seen this football and it's a beach ball essentially in the sense that it's not one of those footballs that are you know with the hexagons well I mean he didn't have any footballs so it wasn't from him anyway he had but no yes. right to be snooty about that no none at all or to judge you on your gender according to the sport that you want to play. Neither of those things. I mean, maybe things. he was just really confused <laughs> as to like why I got into a DIY shop and asked for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I'm kind of overreaching there, but I felt like I was whittling away at the patriarchy with my snide answer of to play football. What about you, Rachel? Well, I've been making some pots with um, clenched fists on. I'm making the gesture now for your listeners. <laughs> and I'm also, I've just agreed to do performance for a benefit for the Feminist Library, which is in danger. So I've been doing some serious whittling this week. I think those are more than whittles. What's a more than a whittle? Like a chiseling. A chisel. Chiseling. <laughs> those are chisels. I'm yeah, giving chipping. the patriarchy good hammering. Hammering. Oh, excellent. I 
have a bit of a cop-out answer to this, which is doing this episode of Very Loose Women um, and inviting Rachel House along. So thank you very much <laughs> for being my patriarchy whittle of the week. Did you have Happy any gripes, help. Emma? No, well, what I did have was also, after all my great whittling that you heard about, and you're very impressed by what a feminist icon I am, um, you maybe also could then hear about how I did some anti-whittling almost, which I feel a bit embarrassed about. Do we want to hear about this? I think I should admit to the listeners what happened a couple of weeks ago. So basically, I used to live in a house of about 12 people, and recently we decided we wanted to get together and have a dinner and it'd be really nice. Um, so we were trying to work out a day where, you know, it's, it's obviously hard to organise so many people a day that everyone's free. And it turned out there was only kind of one day we could all do, but all the men in the group um, have just started going, they've just started, they've actually created a Men Against the Patriarchy reading group where, um, you know, different women suggest things that they could read to help them better understand the position of women in the world. Um, and so they've, they've just started a Men Against the Patriarchy group reading group. And Basically, they said, well, if you want to do it on that day, that's just after our reading group. So we're happy to come, but none of us will be able to help with any of the cooking. So mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of ironically. But yes, and that, that did happen. And I did do a lot of the cooking. But did they do the washing up? I think they did. Okay. So I think it was, yeah, it all worked out in the end. I think that that's okay. Well, I've asked them to read a bit about washing up. So okay. that's also good. Do you get into the main topic of the show, which is... Uh, Rachel, your work, and more broadly, you. yes, and you. <laughs> <laughs> What's a fascinating topic? <laughs> I guess we should start with who are you? If you want to answer that, um, and what my do you name do? is Rachel House. <laughs> yeah. I'm an artist, and um, I do I draw comics, and I make art events, and do performances, I make objects, and I also I'm not doing it as much now, but I'm co-director of Artist Run Space Station 65 Gallery Space. So I will be asking you questions about each one, each and every one of those points. That's why Brilliant. I'm not going Good. into that right now. But before I heard from you that you had mm. some gifts for us. Oh yeah, <sighs> do you want them now? Yes, I do. Wow. We have literally. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I like the oh, way wow. you rustled it so that they're listening <laughs> here. Um, I honestly think this is the first time we've ever been given a gift. Is that you right? were given a gift by Catherine on your birthday on air. Okay, a guest, a guest has given us that a gift. It's the first time a guest, and we don't have a gift for our guest. It's my so. self-promotion, though. It's all things well, it's connected really amazing. with my artwork and projects. Are you going to open up? So what yes. we have here are Sweet. some badges. <laughs> so some badges, some sweets that say some rock, like little bits of rock that say feminist disco on them. Is that accurate? Feminist yes. disco. Maybe and we, we will also that, be mm. asking questines mm. about that. And then some zines. I think oh. these are zines. Yes, these this are really looks beautiful. lovely. A little picture of um, a womb on a badge. And a oh, that's very appropriate for your. Yes, for my metal yeah. schmerz. So. Oh wow, loads these. of great things. Oh, these wristbands. Oh my gosh. So one of them says smash the patriarchy. We should have really opened this before our hmm. smashing hetero, what does this say? Challenge heteronormative. I thought it just said heteronormativity. <laughs> <laughs> like, <what>? Promoting <laughs> it. <laughs> Raise um, your fist for heteronormativity. Feminists come in waves um, and then some really beautiful zines. Um, so I guess so we could kind of use this as a toolkit to explore all of the things that you do. Also, um, yeah. counterculture, but the O's in brackets. Yes. I like that. How would you pronounce that word? I think you still pronounce it counterculture. <laughs> that's really, really that's really for this hour on the radio. Can we start with talking about your comic strips? Because that's the first thing I saw. So I think that's why. Yeah. I, so I saw them framed at the House of Illustration in North London when I was with our former guest, Kate Evans. That's, I guess, the kind of thing that kind of drew me into your work because I am a big fan of uh, graphic novels more broadly. And I just thought mm. they were they're just really beautiful drawings. So how did Thank you... you start doing these and what what are you doing in your scenes I guess that's okay. my question I started drawing when I was in hospital with a broken leg in the 90s started drawing comics 
and a friend brought me in a drawing pad and a pencil. My friend Janine Redrup. Thank you, Janine. At the time, I didn't think it was a good gift, but it was brilliant. It helped me kill time and and started me on, on drawing comics. Later, in about the mid-90s, I started doing a zine called Red Hanky Panky, which was... Which is right here. Yeah. So we have an example of it. There more recent ones, but with some older strips in. And the old zines were bigger. That's an A3 sheet folded down to A5, but the other ones had 30-odd pages. They largely were autobiographical zines with themes that were around being queer, being bisexual, being fat, being a woman, (laughs) all those things... And it was, a, it was a very different time. And these days, you know, LGBTQIA is all very gloriously inclusive and I'm very glad we live in different times. In those days, it wasn't really the same. In what, so, in what ways would you say it was different? Well, pride was lesbian and gay pride and bisexual and transgender people were excluded from the mission statement. No, and the organisations. Mm. So you know, there are lots of different things. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a more. This wasn't such a welcoming time. More judgmental time. So were your comics are a sort of way to counterbalance that. They were a way. way to counterbalance mm. that. And what did happen with them, as well as being my in my own zine, they went into various newsletters. Of, for instance, Metro newsletter, which was an, an LGB centre in Greenwich, um, by Community News, other other sorts of things around uh, an Irish gay newspaper, you know, so they, they kind of spread the word. And they spread the word without being, I hope, without being preachy. They were quite funny. So mm. I think what they did was pinpoint how ridiculous these things were. Do people get in touch with you, like, after reading your zines, or do people contribute to them, or was it just something that you made yourself? I made them myself. I also, I had guests in them sometimes, and I was also in other people's zines. But what used to happen, which was very brilliant, was that um, people trade zines from around the world. So it was kind of, the internet was around, but not Mm. really in the way it is now. So I'd send strips, I'd send my zines off to somebody in America and they would send their zines back to me. And we'd send letters to each other. And sometimes we would meet each other. Mm. And, you know, it's a bit amazing. So some of my best friends, actually, are from that time. Do you still do that? Not so much, really. I'm not really so much in the world of the zines, although I still make them. I don't kind of... It's not the only thing I do anymore, so I'm not so focused on it. So that's a good, a very handy segue onto the feminist disco. So we have these feminist disco pieces of rock. Could you tell me a little bit more about uh, what that is and what... I think they're events. Yeah, the feminist disco is a... It's an art project that thinks it's a disco. And I play records on two dance set record players and pretend I'm DJing. (laughs) That's one of the things about it. And the records are between about 75 and 83. And they are... So the Kleenex, who we heard earlier, are right bang in my feminist disco era. And they have women in the bands. And it's a... I suppose it's a project that looks at feminism around that time which was a time for me that was quite important politically my sort of coming of age really the punk era and it kind of looks back at that but not in any nostalgic way it's quite a it was a difficult time in many ways and it sort of looks at politics and women's art and music of that time and lots of other people are involved with it I have people coming and doing talks and performances and I make a lot of objects as part of that as well 
And where does that take place? It's taken place in my MA show at Camberwell. It's taken place last year at Bent Fest, which was a queer punk festival that was at Power Lunches. A few places. I'd like to do it some more, actually. Because you've said Power Lunches, it's kind of reminding me, and also because you are talking about the Feminist Library earlier, these kind of queer-friendly, women-friendly spaces, closing those down, two are left, both right, things that are yeah, kind of closing down. So I was kind of... Because I think it's, it's something, as you're saying, like it's a, a welcoming community, it's kind of growing all those mm. things, but yet... Do you feel like the, the places and the spaces that people can use are growing or a lot of them seem to be shutting down? I don't know if there's... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, not at an age of going to a lot of those spaces that are closing down. I mean, I, mm. I went to Power Lunches and I used the Feminist Library, which is still going the Feminist Library. It needs our support. What I think is very encouraging is a space like DIY Space for London yeah. mm, that's, definitely. you know, up and running and I'm doing a project there soon. There, there are places opening. I was walking through Peckham the other day, remembering that when I moved there... There was a women's centre there and there was a radical bookshop wow. there. Where was the radical bookshop? Opposite the women's centre. Where was the women's centre? <laughs> opposite the radical Peckham, bookshop, Leo. Peckham High Street, leading yeah. towards Camberwell, quite near where you were oh, talking about. Oh, that's such a shame. I would really yeah. like a radical bookshop on that road again. Yeah, that fantastic. would be really nice. When those places go, we're never going to get them back again. Mm. That's it. They're gone. And all the gentrification in the world, however much I pay for my coffee before I go to my lovely pottery class, which I do and love, you know, but we're never going to get those spaces back again. So thank goodness for DIY Space for London. So a lot a lot of these events that you're talking about, actually your, your comic strips and the feminist disco, they sound very accessible, as in yeah. someone who's not who hasn't been schooled in art, who hasn't um, done degrees and knows the kind of language, can still relate to them. And I know that when I saw the drawings I did and these feminist discos sounds like something that I would definitely genuinely enjoy. Apart from these two counts, how do you think you go in a way to avoid elitism, that kind of... I think it's partly places where I show my work. I mean, I... It's interesting that you saw my work first in frames in the gallery. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. not something I do that mm. often. And, mm. you know, it's lovely when I do it. I'm not, I'm not disapproving of it in any way. It's a very enjoyable thing. And I love that Comics Creatrix exhibition. Um, so it's partly where I show my work, which isn't always in gallery spaces. It's in public space quite often. I've worked in Peckham Square. I've worked on Blackpool Promenade you know, with, um, with a project called Petastic. So it's about where I, where I work. It's also the language which I use. And I try not to use a lot of art jargon and be accessible. But I, I hate that phrase, dumbing down. Try and keep things simple. I'm really aware that the more I know about art and the more I study art and the more I look at art, the more I get out out of it. Mm. So I think it's a difficult thing to kind of say, my art is for everyone, because, of course, there are different levels of looking at things well, and I guess different, different ways audiences. of looking at things and different mm. audiences, yeah. One of the things I mentioned earlier was this smash the patriarchy piñata that was on the back yes. of your business card. That was that you actually put outdoors, so that was kind of open to all... Yeah, I mean, one place was at Super... The first time I did it was at Supernormal um, Experimental Arts and Music Festival at Brazier's. So for listeners, that so it's, it's basically the word patriarchy that is a piñata, so people yeah. go up to it and, and hit it. And it's about eight yep. foot long. Oh, I it's didn't know that. Big. That is enormous. Yes. And can yes. just anyone come along and hit it? How does it work? Well, people had to be in the festival, so that was something people had to pay to be there because it was a festival, but it's a very small, intimate amazing festival that's happening this year as well. I put posters everywhere and said, come and smash the patriarchy in the woods at this time. But I didn't tell people what it was going to be. So people gathered to, to see what was going to happen. And hanging in the woods was this enormous bright red and black piñata. And then I had a mask and I had some friends who helped and we were costumed and we had big glittery sticks for people to smash it with. 
And it was quite violent and quite aggressive and a bit amazing as well. Because people have got a lot invested in that, things quickly become quite violent, but also become... Um, you get on quite a high from doing something like that because it feels like you're really destroying the patriarchy, even though it's a very symbolic thing and clearly quite humorous, but also deeply serious. It's very heartfelt for me. And I was saying to you earlier, it's kind of, I think that if you can do that, if you feel you've done that, and it's only like 30 seconds of it, or a minute of it, or half an hour of it, you're allowing for that possibility for that to happen in the world. And perhaps it can happen, because you've made it happen for a short time. I think it's also the fact that you've got loads of people doing it together. So you yeah. realise that other people also have the same yes. aim as you and you're kind of all excited about it. I think that's really important. And I think although part of my work is campaigning work and I slightly want to change people's views sometimes in my work, I think it's also about finding our communities and supporting each other and knowing mm. that we're not on our own Definitely. in our views. Mm. And sometimes it feels like we're really on our own these days. What's inside the patriarchy? That's what I was, was going really? <laughs> Inside the patriarchy were lots of lollipops that had written on them, the patriarchy sucks. Oh, do we have any here? No, not, not quite. No, we've, we've got, got a lot. We've got <laughs> a lot of goodies. <laughs> Why not? Yes, we've got we a do, lot of goodies. We do can't have complain. the whole desk is covered. Hey, but I've got another piñata in Cambridge at the moment. We can, can I tell you about that? Go yes, on, please do. That's, um, that's a piñata of heteronormativity. And that's being smashed on June the 11th and everyone can come. Where is it in Cambridge and what it's is inside heteronormative? Are we going to leave that hanging? Know. We'll find it's out when it's Murray yeah. Edwards College. It's part of the Newhall Art Collection. I've got an exhibition there at the moment curated by Eliza Gluckman. So come on the 11th of June to Cambridge. And smash heteronormativity. Yeah, challenge Fantastic. heteronormativity with big glittery sticks. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What would be an ideal exhibition space for you? I like things to be urban. I like it to be a place where people will come, you know, the pilgrims will come who know something's going to happen, but also passers-by will stop and maybe linger and stay for a mm. bit who might not be expecting it but, but will be sucked into something. So kind of um, half spaces between public and private, I guess. No, not particularly. I mean, you know, Peckham Square is a great mm. space. I'd love to do some more things in Peckham Square. I've done other projects there, but yeah, that's I think brilliant that you that. should maybe, if you want to, tell us a bit about what you did in Peckham Square. And because right here I have a little badge that was in the pack <laughs> that says "I heart dogging in Peckham." So what's that about? Uh, that was for something else, but I will oh, um, right, tell you. Sorry. But, um, no, that's fine. But th that was as I was getting slightly tired of the dog projects and I thought I'd bring some sauce into the mix. <laughs> that I did a project that began in Peckham in 2004 called Peckham Patastic that was in Peckham Square where I invited people to dress their dogs in fancy dress and bring them to Peckham Square and have a picnic for dogs. Which what, kind is, of, sorry, what kind of outfits did you get the dogs in? Oh, God, I've done so many of these now because I've done one in Blackpool. I've done one in rural Norway. I've done one in Pittsburgh. They've gone all over the world, which I never expected <laughs> starting in Peckham. So, um, oh, one of my favourites actually was at Beck's Hill at the Delaware where there was a dog dressed as the Queen, had a little headscarf and an Aaron jumper. Was and it a, a corgi? Because no, it wasn't. It wasn't a corgi, but it was a very good one. And it's it's the dog's um, human companion was kind of the queen's maid and had a cup of tea for the queen. It was That's an interesting good. dynamic. Yeah, it's secretly it's what all us pet owners are like, though, isn't it? <laughs> I I, my cat owns me. And um, what Definitely. kind of response did you get to the pet 
Petastic. What do people think? I I think it's been good. People like it. Yeah, it's been a very good thing. At the time I did my first one, there wasn't really the culture of people dressing dogs up in this country. Now it's kind of quite, quite mainstream, I think. You can do you think you started that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my thing was always very much about Meg costume as well, not mm. just go and buy something from a shop and do it. I don't think I started, but, you know, artists, we're responsible for so much, aren't we? <laughs> Gentrification. Just about in terms of um, spaces, you're also a director of a gallery space. It's, I, I run it with my partner, Joe David, who actually, when I say I run it with him, although I'm still director, I'm having some time off and concentrating a lot more on my own work at the moment. Um, it's a space that we ran in East Dulwich for about 10 years and it was in a shop front in East Dulwich. We now have a larger space in Kennington. It's called Space Station 65. Uh, what, is <laughs> no, there anything on show there right now? No, not at the okay. moment, but we have two artists who are doing a residency there, Nicole Mollett and Bridget Ashton. And it's called, um, they're working towards doing something with this called um, Caves, Grottos and Follies. I think the big question we haven't really asked yeah. as well is, how did you get into doing art? Well, with my comics, really. I hadn't got any art training when I started doing comics. And um, then I had a period... I was working in the statutory sector as a youth worker and voluntary sector with um, adults with learning disabilities. And my voluntary sector project I worked for went down the pan with lack of funding. And it hit me very, very hard. And when redundancy loomed... And I had my first bout of very bad depression. And one of the things I decided to do to combat that was um, go to art college. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's quite a stressful thing in some ways to go to art college. But foundation was amazing and opened my eyes. I did a part-time foundation as a mature student and later went on and did... Um, from that went on did a BA and then later an MA. I didn't even leave my BA thinking I was an artist. I was quite reluctant to call myself an artist because it feels such a highfalutin thing. So when when was the day that you said I'm an I artist? I am an artist. Yeah. What a good question. I don't know if I've got an actual day, but I do remember a conversation I had with somebody called Steve Bunn, actually, um, who who is an artist, who said that artist was one of the most generous people that he'd ever met. And he talked about people who taught in art colleges and the way they could impart their knowledge in such a generous way and various things. And I kind of thought, yeah, actually, no, it's quite cool being an artist. It's not just a really elitist, awful thing to say you are... You know, it's quite a good thing to say I'm an artist. So I started saying I'm an artist. What are you currently working on and what are you working towards right now? Well, I'm making lots of radical feminist noisemakers for my performance for the smashing, the challenging heteronormativity in Cambridge because I feel we need to make a big noise while we do that. I'm making something for Bentfest at DIY Space for London, which is happening at um, May Bank Holiday. What, um, do you, what will you be doing there? Is it a surprise? It's oh. kind of a surprise. Okay, it's I take that back. I didn't ask that. I'm doing something for... I'm in, a, I'm in an exhibition at the moment in Canterbury called There Is An Alternative, again, uh, comics in frames on a wall. That's a nice title, There Is An Alternative. It's at Kent University. I'm doing something at Gosh Comics for Pride on June the 25th with lots of other people. So anyone who's interested in making zines and want to be part of a Pride zine that Gosh are putting together, go to Gosh Comics in Soho on the 25th of June. There'll be lots of people there doing that and me and other 
artists as well. And I'm also doing a performance at the Feminist Library on the 2nd of July, which is which is an open event, which is going to be a fundraiser in support of the Feminist Library, which, which is, is which in is a precarious oh, position. Precarious. Yeah, and it's, it's fantastic, fantastic space. That's actually all that we've got time for. I should say that next week we are doing a show on the Sex Workers Opera, which is at Pleasance uh, in London. And that is a an opera that has been put together by sex workers and friends of sex workers. We will be going there tomorrow night, in fact, and then reporting back. In the meantime, they are running shows every night. We've heard from friends that it's amazing. So you should go along. Thanks for listening. That's bye from me. Thanks so much, Rachel, for coming on the show um, and talking to us. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. We'll be checking out lots of the events that are coming up very soon. <laughs> so thank you very much. And thanks for these presents. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. I am. Re- yeah, I'm really excited about all of these. <laughs> 